That's that is not the tone we want to establish for oh, this podcast. Oh my god, is that what is this what we're gonna do? I hope so. Turn up. Hey, what up, guys? This is Kelly Talks, etc. And now it's Kelly Talks with Monk. What? Uh, I'm really, really excited to bring in my new co-host for this show because I've always struggled with what's next, right? What's next? Um, and then I go and I do all this extensive research and education to try to figure out that next thing that I'm going to talk about because I always want to have something of importance, not really just these podcasts that just rant and do bullshit all the time. So I would go back and try to learn and it would just never be where I needed it to be. But Monk and I have some really, really deep conversations about some interesting stuff. And he always picks my brain and makes me want to know more. So what better co-host to have than he? Turn up. Turn up. Um, I just said that so that y'all wouldn't think I was really intelligent because she kind of gave an introduction and made it sound like I knew something about something. I the did. Truth is, I just be partying. I did. Partying, <laughs> drinking, starting. But you also party and read. At the same damn time. At the same, that's what I do. It's more of a, uh, if you could take Chomsky and two chains and make them one person, that would be Chomsky chains. That would be who I would be. Like, you would be Chomsky chains. chains. Yeah, yeah, two Gnome Chomskys. Chain. You know what? True story. <laughs> I was told um, to look up, like, Noam Chomsky. Noam Chomsky, mm-hmm. right. And when I Googled him, yeah. I didn't know how to spell his name. Yeah, so, so, no, I typed it in as Noam but all these gnomes came up oh, the around little, the, little, the little things that people take pictures of all yeah. around the country. So I'm like, why did they have me look this up? This is of no political importance. I was like, this makes no sense to me. And I was like lost for like 30 minutes. And then I found him and was like, oh shit, this makes oh, so much more sense. This, this makes, yeah. Because they told well, me to look well, up why him. Why does he spell his name that way? They told me to look up him and Cornell West. Right. So I was like, these two people yeah. don't match. Well, maybe they were saying Cornel West's hair looks like a lot of those. Like a, the trope. That's very true. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be here all day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, it's it, it's it's a crazy thing. And we were talking about this off air, but you know, you have these brilliant people who their focus is just trying to understand the world. Yeah. And then you have people like you and I who are just trying to make sure we have enough food and shelter and clothing and that we don't go out of our minds trying to make sure that we have enough food, clothing, and shelter. Yeah. So, it's, it's a quick way sometimes to get a condensed version of what's going on in the world. I'll read Chomsky not because I'll necessarily even agree with everything he says, but at least he gives me a perspective where I'm like, oh, I didn't even know that was going on in, in Indonesia. I didn't know that was happening. Once you start seeing that there are patterns like this all over the world, though, and they match, then you stop, stop feeling like you're by yourself. Yeah. That's, that's really it. You know, I'm not going to get any smarter, but I am definitely going to feel more connected to other people Everybody and every yeah what's mm-hmm. happening because we do always feel like our problems is just our problems like nobody can relate that's why we don't speak about them out loud yeah you know when 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 you say hey um i was abused as a child you keep that to yourself it's like so was i so was i somebody else goes your mama did that to you too yeah your mama did that to you too your daddy did that to you congratulations you had a daddy like it's so we and sometimes it don't work that way though because i'm in a writing class and yesterday Ooh. Uh, we had to write what does home mean to us when we were children. And my writing was, uh, we had to describe our home as children. And my description was dark, lonely, afraid, mm. sad. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, broom closet is where I was with the most of my friends and nobody could see them but me. And like all of these, you know, I could hear the loud smacking of dominoes and backgammon pieces. Mm-hmm. I could smell the stench of the Miller Lite. It was always the Miller Lite or 40, you know, and my uncle's pee was so 
Pungent. Pungent. It was so bad. I couldn't go in the bathroom after him. It smelled like he shit it. Like it was so terrible. That was my description. But the lady that was next to me reading her, she was like safe and comfortable, inviting. I'm like, oh shit, we have two completely different childhoods. Uh, like, but it also gives you, that gives you perspective. Like it if does. You're, if you're empathetic and you want to you want to understand how some people walk through life like nothing affects them, understand they've always felt safe. That also explains why they feel so much anxiety all of a sudden because the world that they're used to is changing. Then yeah. you see someone like us who, nah, was never inviting. It never felt safe. It never, so I always no, had to protect. Yeah, immigrants coming over doesn't scare me because across the street from me was a drug house. And next door to me, the dude beat his wife every yes. night. And on the other side of me, the it was kids normality. beat their mama. So, right, that was normal. It doesn't mean that I accept violence as normal. It means that it takes an extreme level for me to be afraid myself. Mm -hmm. I'm not afraid. Yeah. You know, I dated a woman one time who was, um, she grew up in Pittsburgh and then she went to Norfolk State on a um, ROTC scholarship. Now she was in ROTC because it got her into college for free. Oh yeah, that makes right? sense. W which is why we were trying to push my daughter into volleyball. <laughs> Two months into being at Norfolk State, 9-11 uh, happens. They call her unit up in 2002. So she oh. went from being a kid who was on drill team because it was fun and she got to hang out with her kids to actually being in a war zone with bullets flying. Like she said, the first thing she remembered was getting off, getting on the caravan uh, and heading towards the base that she was supposed to be at and hearing a whistling sound. She was like, looked at her sergeant and said, what's that whistling sound? He said, those are bullets, get down. Oh my God. So, you know, a couple months ago you were on campus, two months later you're here. And I said, were you scared? She said, I grew up in Pittsburgh, people died every day. So the difference between those kids. I'm pretty sure she has some level of fear. Yeah, well, there's just some, not, right. There's some level of yeah. fear. We talked about this earlier. My insecurities exist, but they're so far pushed down because I'm not able to deal with them in any way other than to just be better. Right? To just survive. And just it's like, survive. that's the first thing she probably thought of was right. just, I just need survive. to survive in this element, not necessarily We talked about do it being anything. prison. People were like, is prison scary? I was like, I don't remember it being scary. It doesn't mean it wasn't scary, but well, all I remember was doing everything that I needed to do to make sure that my environment was taken care of. I wasn't going to put myself in a position where I was willingly a participant in getting fucked up. Yeah. Right? So we're doing that every day. But mm -hmm. to be able to do what we do as artists is to take that opportunity to unpack some of this shit. Yeah. Right? And it's easy as Publicly. a comic to not do it. It's very easy to just be funny. I got a bunch of jokes about my dick and farting and you got your uncle's pee joke, which you yeah. can take your uncle out of, take the emotion out of, and just say, yeah, see, man, drink 40s, pee be strong as hell. It's a fun, it's still going to be funny. Right. But where's the, where's the story behind it? So we get to unpack this stuff on stage and the people who do it the best are usually the best comics. Mm -hmm. They're the best actors, they're the best writers, they're the best producers because they add that human element that makes you feel something other than just laugh. Yeah. But it's, you know, what are we going to do? Because we, what everybody we goes through it, you know? Yeah, every, right. That's the thing. The audience it's, goes through it. They well, just, they're just there to relieve from right. it, actually. Like, to get Even with the story you said where your, your childhood was different than hers, she still can understand those emotions. When she read it, she was like, damn, I know what that feels like. I just mm -hmm. don't know what it feels like as a child. Yeah. So if you felt like that as a child, when have you, when have you felt safe? Mm-hmm. When, when when was that point where you felt safe? And you go, well, I don't really know what that means. Like, right. I know I'm not going to die I can right say now. as an adult, I feel safe. Like, as right now, now right. even within my household, like, I live in a fucking, I live in suburbia. You know what right. I mean? Like, I'm in a place where 
that's why I'm so curious now because I want to know what is oh. all this shit. Well, this is what smart. is this? Like you, you really don't know when you're secluded. You just walk to the store. Yeah, when you're secluded in like certain places and you don't understand what's going on around you. And even though I went to the military and was in you know Air Force and I was exposed to different people, you still have a certain survival mind where nothing anybody else says matters. I just need to make sure that I'm protecting myself, who I am, or who I think I am, because that's what we do. We usually walk around with this attitude of I am who I am and you accept me as is, but that's just, that's a lack of, that's ignorance right there. That's a lack of knowledge. And that's why we feel like we have to protect that sense of self we've created. I don't want to lose myself. Right. I don't want, oh, you changed Kelly. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I changed. I actually posted that on Facebook. I said, I hate when people tell me like you've changed or you're different. I'm like, that's the point. Like in life, why should I be like I was at 16? If you make it to 22 and think that 22-year-old is the pinnacle of who you are, you got 60 more years to live as a dumbass 22-year-old. Exactly. If you don't think 22 is dumb, look back at who you were when you were 22. Yeah. You were a fucking idiot. I know I was. I was, yeah. You know, it, but the other thing is... I was why, an idiot single mother. <laughs> why do we think that we're supposed to stop that early? Right? Like, why do we think that people, you don't change who you are at your core? You do change yeah. who you are at your core. There are things that I believe that my core... When I was younger, that I'm like, damn, that was stupid, mm-hmm. because I got more information. If yeah. you get more information that conflicts with what you already believe, and you don't, you're not willing to take that in. That's no longer ignorance. Now you're just an asshole. Yeah. Because you know, you just won't accept it. You won't accept the change. And so that question makes, it. Yeah. That makes you a Republican. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I got a whole lot of more. I got a whole oh, lot of more. That's so funny. Yeah, that's, I mean, uh, that's speaking of Republicans, like, so you, your, your parents were. Or your mother specifically was a refugee, correct? My, 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 my whole, I'm a family. I'm from a family of refugees. Oh, so your whole family. Okay. Man. Look, this this thing that's happening right now with an executive order that picks people very specifically from majority Muslim countries. And people say, well, don't word it that way. Well, that's what it is. It's, right. It's, that's an actual descriptor. Each one of those countries is majority Muslim. Um, the fact that... He's saying that these people are dangerous when there's literally zero evidence of them being dangerous. And they say, well, what about the guy who uh, shot all those people in Orlando? Well, he's an American citizen. He was born here, right? So this ban wouldn't have stopped him. Well, what about the guy out in, uh, in California who shot up his coworkers? What about him? Well, he was a citizen, and also he's Pakistani, not on the list of countries. The weird part is we found uh, bin Laden in, Af- in uh, Pakistan. Afghanistan is where the Taliban was from. All of the bombers that came to this country from uh, 9-11 were from Saudi, United Arab Emirates. All the more powerful. uh, All the more powerful countries. And none of those countries are on this list that are banned. So what you did was you picked... Because bullies are afraid of those that fight back. Bullies Bullies don't... Yeah, you don't fight those who... who's going to fight Saudi Arabia because Saudi Arabia is where Mecca is. And if you're a Muslim and somebody attacks Mecca, all of them got to put... For a second, they'll be like, wait a minute. I don't like you. But y'all can't mess up Mecca. Yeah. And, you know, Donald Trump is an idiot, but the people around him aren't that stupid. Yeah. Plus, he has businesses there. There's a Trump Tower in Saudi Arabia. There's Trump Towers in United Arab Emirates. So I'm not going to mess up my business relationships. And he's done a very good job of doing that. But it's still scary. Like, I wouldn't be here. If this existed when my grandparents were, you know what I mean, I wouldn't be here. This is, this is, that's how the, the number of African children and first generation and second generation kids who are looking at this and don't recognize that they wouldn't have the life they have right now if this law existed or this executive order was in place when they got here mm-hmm. is unbelievable. 
the number of white people who don't realize if the Native Americans had an executive order like this, they punk ass wouldn't be here. Right. Right. So, so. <laughs> and the be, power to sustain it. Right. Yeah. And then for, for uh, black people, you know, there's this thing where we weren't immigrants. Well, let's be fair. The word immigration doesn't mean you voluntarily did it. You can involuntarily immigrate. And that's what happened. They involuntarily immigrated us immigrated to, black yeah. people here. So it just means to go to a country that you're not from to permanently live. That's what happened. But even with that said, unless you are a native to this country and you're a, a Blackfoot or Cherokee or, you know, you, you can trace your lineage back, you are an immigrant. Right. And at some point you were thought to be a dangerous immigrant. And at some point you probably were. If you're white, you're definitely a dangerous immigrant to Native Americans because that's how they got wiped out and put on, you know, these, these uh, what do you call them? Uh, I don't even remember what they call them. They basically are plantations for Native Americans. Oh, yeah, they yeah. They're um, um, reservations. Reservations. Yeah, reservations. So everyone who's not on a reservation is an immigrant. Yeah. Right? Like you immigrated here or your grandparents or your great-grandparents and you say, well, we did it the right way. Says who? Yeah. You weren't invited? The Native Americans didn't invite you. And when you got here, you gave them smallpox and, and fucking shot them because they were savage. They had been on this land forever, minding their business. They're savage. So, And the way that they make us think about it is so not true, like so unrealistic. Side. Because even when I was reading about the whole, you know, uh, Holocaust and how Hitler was able to convince people is like they were parasitic vermins. Like you made them right. seem like they were so different like from you. Right, like, yeah, like exactly, exactly. Like they can contaminate you, quote unquote. They're doing with me Mexicans. Yeah, what, it's like they're the propaganda. So the 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 funny thing about fascism, if there is anything funny about it, is that it's already happening before you know it's happening, right? So what you you do is you start out by telling people that this group of people is not worthy. This is what people have done with women for women's existence. Basically, you're not strong enough. You're not smart enough. You don't make. Uh, logical decisions. That's what they tell you mm -hmm. about women. And they've said it for so long that even women have Started to believe it, yes. Right? yes. They're like, well, I'm not supposed to be in charge. The man is supposed to be the head. And that's what mm -hmm. non-religious people will say. When a man's supposed to be the head, he's supposed to be in charge. Why do you believe that? But, because you've been told that enough times. <laughs> Felicia Rashad said, the man is the head, but the woman is the neck. Right. <laughs> you know what so I mean? Like, what are you without the neck? What are you without the neck? <laughs> so the, the idea is that these, once you can separate people and, and you put a value on that person because this person is more necessary, right? So you need men because men make good decisions. Mm -hmm. Men are hunter-gatherers. My wife and I were talking the other day. She said, we're in a society now where gatherers are really more important. We don't need hunters. How many hunters do you know? How right. many people do you know that go out and actually capture their own food? So we don't need that skill set anymore the way that we used to. Yeah. Um, but gatherers were already more important because technically eating a plant-based diet is more important. Like there's so many things that we've been taught that's fucked up that we're trying to undo it. But with fascism, all you have to do is keep repeating the thing. Even if people initially go, that doesn't sound true. The second time they hear it and no one challenges it, they it go, sounds a, well, maybe a little more is. true. Yeah, maybe nobody yeah. said it. The third time, hmm, and then you bump into a Jewish person and you get into an altercation and you, this thing that you didn't believe initially comes out of your mouth naturally. Yeah. You're just vermin, da da da. So you don't have to be raised that way. You know, people talk about what they were raised wrong. Somebody doesn't have to be raised racist. They hear enough racist shit throughout their lives that they get into this one altercation with a black person that seems to fit the narrative that they've been taught. And all of a sudden, it's fucking nigger. Like, they don't even fit, they don't, they don't And vice versa, and vice versa. versa. Yeah, like, when we say, cracker, right, redneck and all that, or and we look at- And you call a lot of people rednecks that ain't 
redneck. Yeah, it's like that's a specific area that. (laughs) And then there's some people who are just bad people. Has nothing to do with their race. They're just ignorant and terrible people. Right, we believe it. So we've repeated long enough that Mexicans are taking the jobs. Even though, if you look at the job market, robots are taking the fucking jobs. Really, Uh, Dwayne Kennedy has a great joke about that, where he's like, "Coal's not coming back." And the jobs ain't coming back either. Robots taking your jobs, and nobody's yeah. killing the robots because it's good for business. It's yeah. cheaper. So robots are taking a job. But we Self checkout at Target. Self checkout. <laughs> They're starting to build more and more uh, of those, and they have oh, uh, cashiers. And then yeah. you got uh, we're talking about terrorism, terrorism, the terrorists, the Muslims, the Muslims, the Muslims. More, more people since 9/11. If you if you exclude 9/11, then that's a big caveat. But since 9/11 through today. More people have died at the hands of people like Dylan Roof and the people who shot up the movie theater and the people who shot up uh, uh, the kids in Connecticut. No. So most terrorists in this country are white. More people have died at the hands of white lone wolves than have died at the hands of Muslims in this yeah. country. But you repeat that Muslims are a threat. Muslims but that goes back threat. to your joke about uh, black 82. people, yeah. the, the percentage of black people that are killed by black people. They versus, should be scared for yeah. me, not of me. That's exactly that's really like it. save so, me. <laughs> so this this is where we are. We've repeated this stuff so much that people say, "Don't you feel safer now that they're keeping Muslims out?" No, no, no I do not. <laughs> yeah. I don't because Muslims weren't killing me. Exactly. Don't you feel safer now that they're building a wall? No, you know Mexicans what? Mexicans won't stop Real me talk, from telling jokes. I, I kid Joey you not. Joey Gomez tells jokes. He ain't stopping me from telling. <laughs> as a as a I kid you not. As a black woman in America, I have never in my life looked at a Muslim. Nah. And felt that I was a, threatened. I'm more of a threat to you. Yeah, statistically. I, n- I never yeah. ever looked at ones like, oh my God, I'm afraid. Just statistically, I'm way more of a threat to you just from from domestic violence. It's generally yes. to black women in particular. Emotional. Emotional violence yeah. is generally black men who've done it. Murders is generally black men who've done it to black women. So if, if you're looking at, when people start throwing statistics out, black people, black on black crime, if you're going to throw statistics out, throw them all out. Yeah. There's yeah. no reason at all for me to be afraid of you. And honestly, very little reason for me to be afraid of a white man violently hurting me. Now, there is reason for me to fear a white guy trying to keep me from getting a job or trying to keep me from the neighborhood. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, we, you just repeat. You don't have to have facts anymore. You nope. just repeat the lie enough. Now, once you've dehumanized these people, then the next step is to control the media. Well, he's controlling which is the done media. Very... You've got Breitbart, which was basically a marginal little right-wing news uh, site. It was just a website. That's now expanding. Well, why is it expanding? Because they have the ears of these people and mm-hmm. they can tell them exactly what to do because their former executive editor is his right hand man, Steve Bannon. Yeah. So now he can tell him what to tell them. We got Fox News who's going to repeat everything he says. And I'm going to convince everyone else that CNN and MSNBC are fake news. Yeah. So what the hell are facts? So now I control the media. Anyone who speaks out against me, I can fire them. Or worse. I'll That's why I love Cooper and like Anderson, Anderson Cooper because well, he got money and had he, money. So he, he does. Care. He does not like. I was seeing a clip of him last night and he just kept shutting up. The what? What is the woman name that? Kellyanne. Yes, uh, yes, Kellyanne. Yes, and he just would not even let her get almost thought of bullshit out her mouth. He was like, no, that's not true. That's, that's not real. Not. That's not true. And I, I appreciated that because how many people shut down the bullshit? Right now, it's him and Jake Tapper. Who are you know? Keith Olbermann's been doing it a lot, a lot, but Keith Olbermann also can lean into uh, bloviation, where he's really good at pointing out the bullshit, but he also can just go on a little too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anderson Cooper's just with no, that's a lie. Jake Tapper just starts off with, so they don't want the media to say things that they disagree with. That's not going to happen. Yeah, that's not how journalism works. 
screw you. We're going to tell the truth whether you agree with the truth or not. Cool. That's what we've been looking for the whole time. But guess what? If y'all started that two years ago, we might not have this bastard as the president. Yeah. So that, you know, this is... But you don't know until you know. You don't know until you know. You know what I mean? So it's like... It's easy. There are two things that keep us from looking. One of them you described very well earlier. I'm trying not to survive. Yeah. I'm just trying to survive. And the other is, I'm so comfortable. This stuff doesn't affect me. It doesn't affect me. I'm good. And, and you it, know that's a that's a that that is a, a a very very uncomfortable feeling to be in a position where you are comfortable, but you know where you came from, and you know that there's still people that are there that you even know, and it's like you they're there because they don't know that this this place that I'm at exists, and if they though, right? do know, they're afraid to take that next step to get there. And that's why I do podcasts that's very honest and my, my jokes on stage are vulnerable and real because I don't think that I'm the only person that experienced some of this shit out here. And I know for a fact that if people knew better, I feel like they would do better. We, you hope so. You would hope so, the yeah. The other part to that is, though, is what you're doing requires work because it requires you to continue to acknowledge that this place, this part of me exists. Yeah. Right? So, okay, I used to sell drugs. Uh, and now I don't. So I have two options. I can look back and go, what got me out of that? Mm-hmm. Or I can look at people who sell drugs now and go, they stupid. You could quit if you wanted to. Yeah. But the second take that, hi- that, take, that, that, that higher route. Yeah. So a lot of times when you see, uh, especially us, especially black people who have had any type of success and get away from where they came from, uh, it's very easy for them to go, I'm better than those people. That's why I got out. They didn't get out because they're not as good as me. Work done. Yeah. Or they could say, hey, man, I was pretty lucky to have a mom who mm-hmm. made me do this or this particular experience. Like for you, it's like, oh, military helped me do this. And, and uh, I met this person and they helped me do this. Yeah. And that opened my worldview. Yeah. Well, Meeting my person, husband made me think husband, about like, things a little bit differently. Right. Um, I had I was forced. Education in my house mattered. I had to say words the correct way. I had to read a certain number of books every summer. You got time off. You can play. You can also read. And That's so amazing. even when I started to get into trouble, I had a foundation that let me, that, that gave me an advantage. To like get you, back to where you, you needed to be. You yeah. around me. I know more stuff than you. I understand psychology in a way that you don't. I understand math in a way that you don't. So I can be disciplined for a couple of weeks. And I realized I could take an eight ball to a quarter key in two weeks just by holding my money. That's all I have to do. You bought sneakers the first time you sold an eight ball. I ain't bought sneakers yet. And this is two months in. And you wonder how I got to a half a key so quick. Because mm-hmm. I didn't spend any of this money. And I knew that if the eight ball cost 150 and the quarter cost 275 I already saved $25. Mm-hmm. And then the half only cost me 525 I saved another $50. Have you watched The Wire before? Yeah. That Stringer Bell character. That's, that, that was. Yeah, that character. I had, always related to that because yeah. it never made sense to me to hustle for sneakers. Mm-hmm. It never made sense to me to take But it does if you value you value sneakers. If you value, so value sneakers. Uh, most people consumerism. Really, if you just value right. having nice things and, and when you come from nothing <laughs> and you can get something, you do start to value you that do, stuff. Very quickly. Yeah. Because it, it makes you feel like you're a part of this big thing. Now I'm mm-hmm. not. I look like these people who are doing well. I never cared about that. I always wanted to have the money. Right? Because if I have the money, I can I can get that anytime I want to. But if I spend the money well, what if it doesn't come back? So, you know, there's there's this lack of honesty where you're like, I'm so much better than these people. That's how I escaped. And that's not reality. And reality it's a good thing that you and I best. both know that we we had journeys and we had help along those journeys. 
that got us from point A to point B, which is what we're going to continue to talk about on this podcast because we will not be, um, we will not be liars no. <laughs> on on any level. We will be as honest as we can be, and and hopefully help somebody or anybody a body a body to know that you can do both. Right? You can be a comedian and be very fucking real. I don't. Yeah. It's... And and. Because I, I feel so like weird that's... to me that people think comedians especially only think in terms of Yes, funny. in like, comedy. It's like, Comedy what? has been explained to me as uh, drama well disguised. So most comics that are really good talk about the worst shit. Mm-hmm. They talk about the hardest shit to talk about. Chappelle is one of the goats because he tackles the difficult shit. Yeah. Chris Rock tackles the difficult shit. George Carlin, Richard Pryor, they tackled difficult shit. Yeah. They took the ugliest things that happened to them and turned them into funny. Mm-hmm. Right? So, but but if you take away them finding the punchline, that real thing had to happen. It to still them. happened. They just found something to make it funny. They found something. Yeah. Richard Pryor can make jokes about his crack experience, but he's still talking about the times that he did crack. He can make jokes about growing up in a brothel, but he still grew up knowing that someone was trying to pay money to fuck his mom. Like, mm-hmm. these are things that happened to him. That doesn't go away because you laughed at it. God and damn if we it! Come on TV, when we come on this podcast and we just be like, "Yeah, <laughs> you, I got this new joke about titties." Right. We wouldn't be doing anybody any justice. We wouldn't be doing ourselves one. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening in. Um, I'm Mark. really, really excited to have this co-host of mine, Monk Kelly Talks with Monk. We'll be back next week. See you later. Sometimes.